If you're interested in learning how I launched Zim Excellence, then you're in luck. Sign up for my podcast workshop and learn how it's easier and more affordable than ever to start a podcast. Also, grab yourself a copy of my podcast resource guide, which covers industry terminology, suggested tech setup, in addition to countless free online resources to support your podcast journey. Just head to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. That's wongai.com forward slash podcast creation. The link will also be down in the show notes. Now, let's start the show. Yeah, welcome to the party. Hello, Makadini Salibonani. My name is Wongai, and you're listening to Zim Excellence, a weekly celebration of Zimbabwe's change makers and trailblazers. So here's the secret, y'all. Zimbabweans are actually dope AF, and it's just time that we recognize it. So grab yourself a plate of sadza and grab that stony ginger beer and let the party begin. Welcome to another episode of Zim Excellence. Today, my guest is a lawyer, wife, mother, and founder of Pelisa Creatives, a creative media company that celebrates and amplifies African heritage. But not only that, she recently published her very first book, titled My First Book of Shauna and Debele Words. Y'all, this is the book that I wish that I had growing up. So please welcome this absolutely inspirational champion for all things Zimbabwean culture. Her name is Yewe Sibanda. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so happy to be here talking with you. I love the name of your show. Um, I think it's just amazing. And so I'm super excited to be here with you, Angai. Thank you. Yay, I'm just so happy. I feel like we have so much in common. We have that we are advocates for being global citizens. Yes. We also have the fact that growing up, our names were mispronounced. So we either <laughs> shortened or anglicized them. And we're also Zimbabweans. So I love that. Yeah. But before we yeah. dive into all the amazing juicy details on your fabulous life, I would love for you to kind of share a bit of your origin story because you are a Zim Excellence superhero. Every superhero has their origin story. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. you were born in Zimbabwe and now you live yeah. in Maryland. And I'd love yeah. for you to kind of help us understand how you got from point A to point B. Absolutely. You know, there were a lot of points in between point A and B. It feels like point A and maybe point K. <laughs> I was born in Harare and grew up there until I was 16. I went to one growing up in my primary school education. I went to a Jewish school called Sharon School. Oh, I know Sharon. Were, yeah, incredible, incredible years. It was just such an amazing, big highlight of my childhood. And I grew up with a single mom who traveled a lot for work. And I think early on, I was taught to be pretty independent. She also, as a result of her travels, was someone who, you know, encouraged learning of the cultures and embracing other cultures. And I mean, I went to a Jewish school, so that tells you a lot about her philosophy, right? Um, and I was exposed to a lot. And looking back, like, she went out of her way to make sure that I was exposed to so many things. Like, you know, I remember learning to play golf at like eight or nine when golf wasn't a thing and nobody else my age was doing it. You know, she once brought me a violin 
um, from her travels for work. And I was just like, well, why didn't you bring candy? Like, why do I need this thing? <laughs> do you play, by the way? I don't anymore, okay. but I did. And I used to um, play right up until high school because when I got to high school, I thought I was too cool for that. Um, but um, then I went to high school in Marondera. Um, and you know, those were also really formative years too. I went there for four years to an all girls, um, boarding school and really, I mean, not only independence, but really formed lifelong bonds with, you know, the girls now women that I went to school with, some of whom I'm still in touch with. And then like my really, you know, lifelong friends I still have from there. And then at that point, after, after the four years, I moved to the U.S. And it's something I always knew was happening because my mom had told me from a very young age that she wanted me to come to the U.S. for school because she did as well. And so came to the U.S. and culture shock galore from Harare, Zimbabwe to Orangeburg, South Carolina. And Orangeburg is exactly as it sounds, okay? Orangeburg is like, you know, it's a bit rural. It's like, it's not the the U.S. Um, version that you see on TV. And so lots of, lots of culture shock there. I had been to the U.S. before, but never like to live, right? Like on vacation and huge culture shock. Um, and I went to an all-black college and HBCU. And that was really, that was really an amazing experience. You know, I think just coming from a country where, you know, I was the majority, I was black, like it was just different, you know, coming to an HBCU and like learning more about the history of the US. And so that was also formative. And yeah, long story short, worked, moved overseas, worked, came back, went to law school, and I have been in Maryland ever since for the past 11 years. And I really think now that I've lived outside of Zimbabwe for more than half of my life, like, you know, I have never felt more connected to being Zimbabwean and and Africa than now, now that I'm a mom and I'm raising a little girl and trying to instill cultural pride and identity, I have never felt more connected. You know, I'm so proud of where I come from. Um, I love where I live for what it is, right? But I'm so proud to be Zimbabwean. I'm so proud to be African. I, 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 you know, that's like one of the first things people will learn about me when they meet me for the first time. So yeah, that's a little bit of my story. And we can talk about some of the other details as we go. I love that so much. What does being Zimbabwean mean to you? Um, you know, as I alluded to, it's, it's a huge part. It's who I am, right? Like without my Zimbabwean heritage, I wouldn't be who I am. Um, it shapes how I view the world. It shapes and has shaped the things that I'm passionate about. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about my book later, but like, Obviously, I wouldn't write that book if I weren't Zimbabwean. I wouldn't write that book if I weren't living in the diaspora. I think being Zimbabwean also means, you know, someone who's resilient. I think all of us have that Zim resiliency in us, right? It means someone who I think is genuinely just like kind and humble because I I do think that's who we are at our core. Um um, and I think deep down, most of us are that way. Um, circumstances might, you know, reveal other characteristics, but I think that's who we are, you know, at the core, um, and very hospitable people. And so that's, I, you know, I embrace that as well. And I think it also means that we're people who are, for the most part, at least for me, 
I am optimistic and hopeful for the future of Zimbabwe. And so being Zimbabwe to me means that, you know, I have not given up on Zimbabwe. And I think, you know, I remain hopeful and optimistic that my children and their children and their children will experience the Zimbabwe that I did growing up, you know, so that's kind of what what Zim means to me. It makes me think about my mom has always said to me that Zimbabweans are a very peaceful people. And the fact that even though we are one of the smaller African countries, there's always this sense of community, or just knowing people, like you can meet someone, find out their last name, find out which village they come from and all the people they're related to, because it's just such a small world. And even if it's someone that you don't necessarily know, once you find out they're Zimbabwean, it's just like your family, you're instantly family, you're instantly cousins. It's just absolutely amazing. So you are gone from social media for the last three (laughs) years. And then you pop back on and now you are absolutely blowing up with Polisa <laughs> Creatives. When did you fall in love with this idea for what you are doing, which is empowering not only Zimbabwean children and African children, but all children to yeah. learn about our culture? Yeah, my relationship with social media <laughs> is, uh, I think you know, like many people, social media is kind of like this tool that you can use for good, but you've got to really pace yourself. So I, for example, like with Facebook, I only joined Facebook in 2010 when I started law school and I was on there for like two years and I was just like, that's it. But now, you know, like you said, with Police, I'm back. Police really was born out of this concept that we really needed to have our own resources to teach and share our own stories and our languages and our culture and all of that. And it's three years old almost because my daughter is almost three years old and she really is the inspiration and the muse behind Pelisa Creatives. You know, had I not been pregnant with her and looking for resources to teach her, I don't know if Pelisa would have been born, you know, I don't know that I would have been so adamant that I create and start something, it might have taken a different form, right? But this family book and this like, you know, empowering our children, all children may have taken a different form altogether. So that's really where it started is when I was thinking about my own child and what I wanted for her. That's absolutely amazing. I, you, you may correct me on this. By doing this work, you've unintentionally become this representative and this ambassador for Zimbabwe. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you have a message you want to share with the world or you think, ooh, it could be fun to have my own talk show like one guy, getting started is easier than ever. Here at Zim Excellence, we use Buzzsprout, which is hands down the easiest, most affordable, and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Start for free and list your show on directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping and teaching you to succeed. Just check out their YouTube videos. They are filled with tons of information. 
So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Sign up today using the link in the show notes or go to wongai.com forward slash podcast creation and you'll get a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. It also helps support the show. So go ahead, sign up for Buzzsprout and keep me posted on your new podcast. Now back to the show. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think I think the word unintentionally there is important because when I first got this concept, I had no idea. I had no idea that people would receive it in the way that they have. I had no idea and I wasn't even thinking about you know, the reach that this has now had. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there's still more. <laughs> you know, we still need to reach more and do more for sure. We're only getting started. Um, but I had no idea, you know, I wasn't even praying for some of the things that I have been able to experience and do through Pelisa. I wasn't even thinking about those things. And so I I, I think unintentionally is a, is a good word, but it was also just... Um, I didn't realize how much beyond me and like my little vision, this kind of would grow into. That's amazing. Let's just dive right into it. My first book of Shauna and Debella words, absolutely obsessed. I myself bought an ebook version of the book and I was reading through words with my mom and I was like, mom, look, <laughs> <laughs> look at all these words. And <laughs> mind you, I'm in my mid twenties. Actually, I'm a teenager, whatever. <laughs> like, so I'm like reading through this book and my mom's also correcting me on some of this pronunciation. And I said to her, mom, I would have loved this book yeah. growing up. Mind you, you know, I was born to two Zimbabwean parents, both diplomats. So I spent a lot, a lot of my childhood was outside of yeah. Zimbabwe. And they did a really great job raising me. I also happened to be growing up around a big Zimbabwean community. So that was helpful. But there was still that, you know, there's always that gap of representation, which I feel like this book brings. My mom said to me, well, I still, I still taught you when I was dressing you in the morning for school, I would be like, mawoko, hand and this, which, which is great. I just feel that this book adds that extra layer because I'm seeing a brown, black, little girl, little person on the screen. And I'm seeing, you know, the three words. I'm seeing English. I'm seeing Shauna. I'm seeing Ndivela. And it's all clicking. And it's amazing. I listened to one of your interviews where you were talking about the beauty of this book is also bridging that divide between the Shauna and yeah, Nivele tribes 100%. because they're both Bantu languages and you see it yeah. when you're you're reading through this yeah. book it's just this great unification tool and this resource for not only people in the diaspora but also people in Zimbabwe yeah, yeah. no absolutely thank you I'm it's always nice to hear from someone who's actually you know got the book and you know what it means to them and so thank you for that and yeah, I think we still have a lot more work to do around the Zimbabwe piece. I think right now we're at a point where, you know, a lot of people in the diaspora recognize the value. And I think people in Zimbabwe are like, oh, this is great. But 
they aren't yet fully like, you know, understanding that it's also for them too. And so I'm working on that and working on education around that because, you know, listen, the, the passage rates for Shona, for example, at O-level have declined and have been declining. And that, you know, tells you a number of things, tells you that Shona usage in homes, even in Zimbabwe, is also declining, right? And so there is really a big need for us, even in Zimbabwe, to have resources that are fun and engaging and to teach, you know, to teach our children, to teach families, because I really do think this is more of a family book as opposed to just, you know, children. Someone corrected me. One of my customers was like, this is a family book. I'm learning and I'm the parent. I'm learning Devele, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I really think there is a need. Um, so thank you for, for your feedback. I appreciate it. You're totally welcome. Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is a family book because you can then take that moment to connect with that child as they're learning. And like you said, some of the adults are also learning. I remember when I went to schools here in Zimbabwe, we only had Shona English French. There was no option for Ndebele. In Harare, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in Harare, for sure. And it definitely is a family book, especially for those raising multicultural and multilingual children, which is why I wish I had this book growing up because my experience of learning Shauna was not the most empowering. So Shauna is, even though I grew up with two Shauna parents who, well, two Zimbabwean parents who spoke to me in Shauna and I would reply back in English. So I technically speak Shongrish. Mm-hmm. But at an educational level, Shauna is technically my third language. Mm. And so it was when I was coming, when we moved back to Zimbabwe, suddenly I had a whole host of family members being like, Hatari Shauna, this, 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 this. And instantly, because it's coming from the perspective of almost shame, mm. I then get stubborn mm. as a as a mm. young person to say, well, then I'm not going to mm. learn. Mm. Everything's in English. The news is mm. in English. This is in English. The teaching's mm. in English. Why should mm. I learn? So it's great that you bring up that point on the fact that we should be empowering children to learn about their mm. culture in really fun mm. ways and also to do it as mm. a family, mm. not just having putting the pressure mm. on them it's on everyone 100%. it's all hands on deck and learning yeah. and also that we should be increasing the usage of these indigenous languages yeah, 100% 100% i love that so my next question is what has been your experience with raising a multicultural multilingual child mm. and how have you been able to cultivate a sense of zimbabwean community or culture outside of zimbabwe it's been a journey. And I think, listen, my daughter's two and a half. One year, she's been in quarantine and lockdown. And, you know, so it's really hampered our sense of building community, to be honest, because it's only now that we're starting to venture out now that we're vaccinated and she's back in daycare. Um, so for a year, there was no community, right? The only community that we had, and I'm thankful for this, is through FaceTime, she was able to like, and has been able to like see her grandparents, you know, who don't live in the U.S. And so that's really been big and key. And she's actually managed to like continue to develop her relationships with them through FaceTime and technology. So I'm thankful for that. And I think another way is we are, we're advocates for 
you know, for traveling with 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 our with our child. I know some people who don't think it's feasible to travel with a child until they're like six or something. But having traveled with our daughter when she was three months old to Zimbabwe, we are very much like, you know what, we did that. We could take her anywhere. And so, you know, we've been um, last November, her and I went to Zimbabwe and we intend to do like an annual if we can or, or you know, maybe every other year trip for sure. So that's one way. And then now, like I said, that we're, the world is opening up again, for sure. I mean, we will continue to use the village that we have here, the Zimbabwean community that we have here to make sure she's, you know, interacting and playing with other kids who are Zimbabwean. In fact, right now she's with one of her cousins and it's a dad's dad's day out. You know, her uncle and her co- and her cousin and her dad, they went to the zoo. Um, and so, you know, we're starting that back up. I think to answer your question about how the journey has been, it's been hard. It's been hard being far away. And listen, teaching a child and trying to instill all of these things, it's hard, right? Especially when you're not close to Zimbabwe, you're far away, especially when the media doesn't really do a great job of telling you that it's important, right? Of telling you and showing you positive images of black um, and brown kids and Africans and all of that. And also like at her age, I was thinking about it the other day and I was just like, there's not a lot of like animated um, content that features brown kids or black kids, African kids. Um, we have a group of um, Zimbabwean creatives who are creating on YouTube, right? And so that is growing, but your Netflix, you're not going to see um, a black a black child. You're not going to see a movie. We had um, Jingle Jangle, right? The Christmas movie, which was awesome. <gasps> yes, so I watched that. Sharon Rose is Zimbabwean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. watched that with mm-hmm. her, but I mean, she's too young, you know, but I mean, for her level, for her yeah. age. And so I think that's a big struggle is like, we still are not at a place where we have a lot of options um, for, you know, entertainment that helps to celebrate our multicultural, multilingual identities. I would say the other thing too, is it's also been hard because, you know, to your, you said this earlier, but like English is such a, everything is in English, right? And so as much as we, you know, try, she's going to hear more English. That's for sure. You know, because the TV is in English. People, you know, speak in English at school. She's speaking in English. Like, and so it's hard in that sense. And sometimes it can get really like, you're like, man, is this even working? Like, are we even doing the right thing? Right. And you get discouraged. And then what happens is you realize, you know what? They're absorbing it and they're listening. And so now my daughter, we've been working on greetings. And now, you know, we'll wake up and she'll say, um, and we, you know, we ask each other, wakadi, wakadi. And she's saying, diripo, dinofara, you know? Um, and so that is like, okay, all right. You know, we're going, we're getting somewhere. So I love it's that. it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. A lot of patience is involved, <laughs> um, and sometimes you know frustrations. But I have faith that uh, it'll all pay off. And you know, when she's my age and she's got her own kids or whatever, you know, I hope that uh, she will continue. You know what we're doing and instill in them. You know, a, a love of 
where their family is from. I definitely think she she will. Um, I I see myself as the adult version of of your child, of Christine's child, of all these kids in the diaspora. And at one point, it just hits and it clicks, and you're like, "Oh wow, I'm unique! Like my culture is so dope! Right. <laughs> like wow! Like no one will ever understand yeah. this heritage that I come from. Like we come from Great Zimbabwe yeah. and all these amazing kings, and we have Victoria yeah. Falls, and there's just so much to be yeah. proud of. I'm interested to know how you're able to, you know." Juggle being amazing boss <laughs> lawyer and <laughs> being the founder of Pelisa and then also being a mom. Yeah. Which is the, you know, the greatest job yeah, of them all. It is. It is. It's the, the greatest, the most important job, the most fulfilling, that's for sure. You know, it's a constant exercise in how to juggle and mm-hmm. how to, how to, create some semblance of harmony. I don't believe that things will always will, will be like in balance. I don't believe in work-life balance because I think there's always going to be something that's going to take over, you know, at any particular time. It could be work. It could be life. It could be both. Both could be really hot. And I feel like that's been the case for a long time. And so what I've instead tried to do is um, delegate as much as possible. So I have a team that works with me with police. I couldn't do it on my own. So shout out to my team. And, you know, the team is growing. You know, we're looking to expand because we're doing so much and I can't do everything for police. And so I'm really trying to train up the team to like take on more responsibility and like be able to do some of the like day-to-day things without me. So delegating. Outsourcing is a huge thing that I believe in and I am learning about and embracing this concept of operating in your zone of genius and leaving everything else to those who, you know, everything that isn't outside of, that isn't in your zone of genius, outsourcing it, right? Especially if it's going to save time. I'm a big, big like time is so precious to me as a mom, as a wife, right? And so if something's going to take me a long time, even though I can do it, I can't. So, you know, it's having help to come and help us clean, for example, every so often, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's not to say we don't clean, but we just need additional help, <laughs> you know? And so it is, I think those are the things that I try and employ. And I think the big thing I would want to emphasize is, I rest and I shut down and I shut off and I just rest and I focus on as much as I can the things that need to be done that day and anything else that I cannot do, it'll just get done the next day. And if I absolutely cannot get to it and it has to like fall, then it falls. You know, I really have had to work hard and I am working hard on that because it's very easy for me and my kind of way I operate and kind of my work ethic and like my personality type. It's very easy for me to burn out um, because I feel like I have Mm -hmm. to do everything. Right. Um, And so I've had to work on this like concept of just do what you can and what doesn't get done, doesn't get done. And sometimes, oftentimes actually I found those things that don't get done on that particular schedule that you may have set, like 
it's okay. Nothing is ever on fire, you know, or nothing stops because you didn't do that in your set schedule. And it's like, so that's kind of how I've been approaching it. And I'm, I'm still learning, you know, I, I read a lot and I listen to a lot of people about how they do it because I'm still trying to get to that place where I have it more figured out than I do <laughs> now. So I'm still learning. And how are you able to take care of yourself? Do you have any self-care practices, rituals? Yeah, I think one big thing, one kind of where I'm at right now in terms of self-care is um, self-care is more than, you know, going to get your nails done, going for a massage. Those are like, I mean, essential things, you know, those are like, I feel day-to-day things. I don't get my nails done like often, but I'm using that as an example. For me, getting a massage is not a self-care thing. It's like for my health, I have to do it, you know? And so self-care for me looks more like taking a momcation and going away for three nights or four nights. Self-care looks more like evaluating the things that are serving me well and the things that are not and investing in more in the things that are serving me well. Self-care looks like spending time and creating my vision board, you know, and really speaking life into my future. Self-care is more, it's, it's just, I think, broader for me than kind of the, oh, you know, t- taking a walk to exercise. Those are things I have to do. You know, I just need to be able to do that. But it's making sure that I get rest and and all of that. I think that's kind of what self-care means to me more than what I call like more superficial things like, oh, you know, get a face, do a face mask and, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, I just think those things are essential. And I think as black women, you know, I know this is an unrelated, but since we're talking about self-care, like we also have to normalize like luxury, you know, whatever luxury Mm -hmm. means to you, we have to normalize that. And it shouldn't be a, oh, you know, once a quarter I do this thing for myself. It's like, no, we need to do that very often. You know, we are the most hardworking, often like forgotten, often overlooked you know, group of people. And it's just important. It's imperative, actually, that we normalize luxury and spending quality time and quality resources on ourselves. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I definitely agree. I also want to chime in and say, as also from the perspective of being African women and Zimbabwean women, I feel in in my experience growing up, I didn't know what a vacation was. I didn't know what rest was because during my summer holidays, while all my friends were flying to France or, or like going skiing in the winter yeah. or wherever, going to Disney World, I was at home and my mom was like, okay, you're going to sit down and write an essay about what you did today so that when you are back to school, you have a leg up, which was not and is not necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, I am a recovering workaholic. I am also addicted to busyness. So sometimes I just don't know when to slow down, stop, get still, meditate, journal, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever. And, And also I feel like there is this misconception where if you're just not working, you're not doing anything because you don't necessarily have anything to contribute. Right. I mean, you've. You just touched on so many gems right there. And like, we got to like 
break it down. I mean, look, like you, um, vacations were for extra lessons. It didn't matter how well I was doing, okay? I did extra lessons every single break. We did go on vacation. Mm-hmm. That did happen. Oh, we okay. did. Um, Ours was to Kumusha. Uh, that was okay, vacation. Yeah. No, we did in, in Zimbabwe. We did a lot of like tourist tourist attractions in Zimbabwe. I will say that. However, it was extra lessons all the time. And like, I feel like I was constantly in extra lessons. It didn't matter how well I was already doing. It was just, no, you can get better. Oh, you've gotten an A? You can get an A plus, you know? And I think that is a, for me, like knowing that my mom's goal was for me to come to the U.S. and she always had that goal. Like I get it. I understand the motivation behind that and wanted me not to be left behind or to get complacent. But on the flip side, I do think it nurtured what I probably already had, which was like this desire to like be doing and to accomplish and to achieve. Sounds like you had the same thing. Right. And like you, I am a recovering, uh, I say type A, recovering type A. Oh, I'm so yeah, type recovering A. Recovering <laughs> type A. And I think our parents really just wanted better for us than they had. Right. Mm-hmm. And that instills this like sense of, I have to make sure my kid is like, you know, a step ahead. And quite frankly, I don't know. I'm still learning now as a parent, a new parent, you know, my daughter's two and a half. I don't, I'm just starting this parenting thing. Like, I don't know exactly how to draw the line between like wanting to make sure your kid is, is set up for success versus like overdoing it so that your kid isn't sitting here. Like we are like, man, I did extra lessons every, (laughs) um, every holiday, you know, especially being an immigrant especially being an immigrant, raising a first-generation American child. Like, I am in overdrive thinking about, okay, I want to make sure she, you know, gets this type of education and she's exposed to this. And, you know, these are the things I was exposed to. She, at a minimum, has to be exposed to, like, this and more, right? So I don't know. Yeah, because she's an immigrant. She is Black. She's African. And she's female. Well, she's not an immigrant, right? Like... She's first generation, right? First generation American. I'm okay. the immigrant. And so I'm, yeah. I'm raising her with like, she's being raised by immigrant parents, right? And everyone knows, similar to exactly what you're saying, immigrant parents are do the same things that we just described. They do that, you know? Yeah. And so how do you, and then to your point, like, you know, she's, she's, she's a black girl, you know? She's a black girl. <laughs> um, she's African, got African roots, right? Like all these things. How do you, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still searching for and still learning how not to overdo it. But it's hard when you see what you see, especially in, in America, right? You see how black people are treated and it's like no amount of education, no amount of anything can, can, can protect you from being a black person in America right at the hands of let's say police right and so mm-hmm. what do you do it's it's a tough one it's really 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 hard so i give kudos and commend our parents for doing what they did because they were only doing what they thought was best and it served us well yeah. and got us look where we are now it got us far right 
it's a luxury to look back and be like, man, that was kind of crazy that we did extra lessons every single, it's a luxury because we're able to say that coming from a successful place, right? Um, And we're able to kind of laugh and say, "Hmm, maybe we didn't need to do that, right? But I think they were only doing what they, what, what, you know, what they had to do, right? And it's like each generation is trying, is trying to like, you know, do, do better for the next one. And it's exactly kind of why I wrote this book, right? I recognize that growing up in the, in, in the diaspora or like spending formative years in the diaspora when I came here, when I was 16, like I had my own identity struggles, similar to what you're saying, right? You had times where people were questioning like your Zimbabwe-ness because you couldn't speak Shona or whatever, right? Like you went through an identity struggle, right? I understand that. And so I was like, okay, well, how do I make it better for kids like my daughter, right? So already I'm in that mindset of let me try and make sure she doesn't have an experience like mine, right? And so it's 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 almost like an intuitive parental thing, right? And so you go into the cycle of trying to make sure your kid has more, not necessarily more physical things, but like has better experiences than you do. And by doing so, you're going to do some things that are extra, you know, you are, you're going <laughs> to do things that are extra. And so she might look back, look, I'm thinking about it now. She might look back and be like, mom, did you really have to write a book? Like from me to understand <laughs> my African and Zimbabwean heritage? Like that was extra. Did you really have to do that? <laughs> you know, and start this whole side hustle around this whole concept all because you had me, you know, but that's how it is. Right. It's funny. It's an yeah. interesting conversation. I really, I really like that we kind of like went there. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. This is slightly uh, unrelated, but um, you you did say that you know you're you're starting to brainstorm and and think about these things that you're and these tools that you're going to incorporate in parenting your child. I sometimes have random thoughts. I'm nowhere near ready to have kids, but I like. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, the the new trailer for Space Jam came out and I made myself watch it because I'm such a 90s kid. And I was just like, you know, upset. Obviously, the film is not for me. And I was uh, chit chatting with my friend over iMessage. And I said, well, I'm going to be that mom that only allows my child to watch the OG Space <laughs> Jam. No other Space Jam exists because I will be a parent and is that not what parenting is for? (laughs) I just like come up with all kinds of schemes like that. (laughs) I think, you know, the biggest parenting, um, I don't know what to call it, but like, aha thing that I've learned, I guess, as a parent is like, you know, before you have kids, um, you have all these ideas of like, yeah, and then I'm going to instill these values and I'm going to teach them this and I'm going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And once that child comes, my experience has been all that stuff gets thrown out the window. The child is really teaching you, you know, they're teaching you and they will tell you what they need. Um, and they, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that they'll verbalize it, but like who they are as a person will kind of tell you what things you need to kind of do, you know, outside of obviously like your broad framework of things that you believe in and value. But like the child really is there to teach you and expose things that you need to learn. You're less the teacher than you are the the student 
that's what I've learned and I'm learning anyway. I love that so yeah. much. Okay, it's time for the lightning round. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, lightning round. Um, texting or talking on the phone? Oh, depends who it is, but I'm going to obviously just say texting because that's what we all do. It's quicker. So, yeah. Um, favorite Zimbabwe musician? Oliver Tukudzi. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yep. May he May rest he in rest. peace. He was oh, phenomenal. I saw him at Haifa, yeah, which is great. Did you ever get oh, to yeah, see I him? Oh, yeah, I did at Haifa quite a few times. My mom was involved with Haifa. Oh, that's so dope. Always, whenever I was in Zim at that time, always saw. Yeah, so I did. What is your favorite Zimbabwean childhood snack? Ooh. <laughs> um, listen, it's not supposed to be a snack, but we have made it so. Serlac Cervita. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Yeah, I know. No judgment. Okay. Um, Mazoe orange versus Mazoe green. Orange all day. Come on now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like green is really it's, bad for yeah. you. The green, the red, and all the colors. Yeah, no, it's orange all day. <laughs> what is the last film or show that you um watched on a streamer? Could be Netflix. Um. So. I was just talking about this the other day. Lupin? Lupin? Oh, it was so, so good. good. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm just ready for I know, part two. I know. So yeah. good. I binged that thing. What I pre- Oh, same. Well, it was like so short. I'm like, wait, I know. the end? Okay, I, I want more. What I particularly love about it is you have a dark-skinned man as yeah. the lead. African and I was guy. talking to Sibongle about mm-hmm. this. Yeah, and Sibongle was like, Wait, and they said a black person could not be James right. Bond. Excuse right. me. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was great. Okay. If you weren't lawyer, entrepreneur, fabulous mother, what do you think you'd be doing? Um, <laughs> this is going to warm your heart. Um, I would be doing performing arts. I would be an actress. I would be a singer. I would be, yeah, that's what I would be doing for sure. I. I literally get those vibes from you. <laughs> I always forget you're a lawyer. I'm like, she's an artist. I'm like, oh, no, she's she's, she's actually a lawyer. My mom is a lawyer, oh, by the way. See, all kinds yeah. of synergies right here. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I, I, I vibe with that. Okay. The next one is a sentence that you have to mm-hmm. fill out. I am Zim Excellence because blank. It's a power mm-hmm. statement. Take your time. I am Zim Excellence. Because Zimbabwe lives in me and speaks through me in everything and in all ways. I love that. If you could nominate someone for the award of Zim Excellence, who would it be, living or dead? I'm going to shout out my husband here. I would nominate him because he flew the Zimbabwean flag high in sport and, you know is someone that I think had had things certain things happen differently he would be someone that like would be so well known um for sport um rugby in particular and so yeah I'm gonna shout him out and I think you know he's someone who loves his country someone who before it was cool was like repping his country you know that's who I'm gonna think of right now um is is my husband that's so dope wait what's your husband's name arnold 
Arnold Sibanda, you have just been nominated for the award of Zim Excellence by your beautiful wife, Yewe Sibanda. Now, if you could nominate someone to come on this show. Ooh, I know. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got her. This is going to be good, y'all. Her name Listen. is Dr. Praise Matimavi. Um, she actually has a podcast herself, but she is a um, surgeon here in the United States, and her story is so powerful, and she is amazing. So I would nominate her. Yeah. That's dope. I can't wait yeah. to look her up. All right. So as we wrap up, I love it if you could share a message with our listeners as well as letting them know where they can continue to follow your fabulous inspirational journey, whether it's a website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of the fabulous yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with that and end with the message. Um, you can find us, Pelisa Creatives, on all um, social media. If you go to the website, www.pelisacreatives.com, you can find the books, uh, calendar, and links to social media. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook. You can always find me, yeve.c.sabanda, on Instagram. Um, same on Twitter. And yeah, look forward to, you know, continuing conversations there um, and to seeing you join the Pelisa tribe. Now, as for the message that I want to leave with your awesome, awesome listeners, first of all, y'all, y'all better subscribe. Um, y'all better t- subscribe to um, uh, Vongai's uh, podcast because she's coming in hot um, with all all the goodies. Um, so thank you, Vongai. Um, and um, the message I would leave with you is: listen, you have everything you need within you to achieve whatever it is that is on your heart. And so take imperfect action and go for it. Start now, start today and go for the thing that you have been dreaming about, that you have been thinking about. Just take imperfect action and start. Life is short. Life is for living. And we need to hear your story, your perspective, So go for it. It doesn't matter if you don't succeed at first, but the power is in trying and putting yourself out there. You'll be amazed at what comes back to you. And I'm always here to cheer you on, to help you to answer questions or to tell you, you know, the little that I know and that I've learned on this journey. So that's what I would say to you. Love and light and peace to you all. That's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for that word, Yewe. Uh, she, you also host a clubhouse. I used to. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've got, I've, got a, okay. um, I've got two, what are they called, clubs, I guess, that I'm in, that I'm co-founder mm-hmm. of. I used to host a weekly kind of thing with um, Christine. It's on pause right now, but it was all about, if you can guess, preserving African heritage. <laughs> yes, um, we love it. We yeah, love it. We so love I'm, it. On, I'm on clubhouse too, um, here and there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All of the links and the details and resources mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes. And so that's us. Thank you. Have a great day, y'all. Bye, y'all. Thank y'all so much for coming to the party. Majita Tatenda Siabonga. Nah, for real. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Zim Excellence. If you found value from this episode, please share it with a friend and go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review. 
If you send me a screenshot of your review, I'll make sure to give you a shout out on future episodes. Feel free to tag us on Instagram at Zim Excellence Podcast. And if you identify as Zimbabwean, I want to hear your story. So go ahead and email zimexcellencepodcast at gmail.com. Till then, have the best week and stay Zim Excellent.